With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Good morning from Coolidge, Arizona. We welcome you to episode number seven of our uh, Bible study here on Sunday morning, the Gospel of John concerning the Messiah of God, for that's indeed what the Gospel is concerning. We are going to be starting this morning, chapter three, very familiar chapter. we hear more about uh, John 3.16 than uh, any other scripture in the, in the whole book. Um, and we have, as you would expect, uh, the, the technical nature of Jesus' words to Nicodemus are normally just uh, read in a cursory style. Uh, and that, that isn't sufficient. Uh, nonetheless, uh, we welcome you to the program today. We thank you so much for your participation, um, and especially to those that actually support this work. We are indeed grateful uh, 
uh, for it must continue. We left off our studies last week in John chapter 2 with the last two verses. Verse 24 and 25, I want to read them again to refresh your thinking. And of course, uh, uh, this is uh, Jesus as he is about to, uh, well, he's, he's in Capernaum at this time. He's heading for Jerusalem, I believe. Uh, he's in Jerusalem, actually, uh, when this is recorded. But it says, and Jesus himself was not trusting himself to them, that is, the, the, the men, the crowds, because of his knowing all men, and because he had no need that anyone should testify concerning man, for he himself was known, was knowing what was in man. Now, these are interesting verses. Um, and, of course, they say a lot about Jesus of Nazareth and who he was. I think that's fairly obvious. Now, where the scripture tells us Jesus was not trusting himself to them. Why wasn't he trusting himself? There were those that, even in these early days, wanted to make, take him right to the throne and sit him down on the physical throne of physical Israel. You see, that's the problem. He knew all men. In other words, everyone that was there, he knew their thoughts. He knew their deeds. He knew the intent of their hearts. You see, here's, here's the thing in this season that we're in here in America. Jesus was not a contender or a candidate for the Messiahship. Okay? He wasn't running for Messiah. He wasn't running for king of, of the Jews. He was the Messiah And he was the king of the Jews. And there we see a a great difference here between the thinking of man and the thinking from heaven. Jesus didn't need men to agree with him. He came to give them the information, the very words from his father, to the ears of men that that they may be born Uh, from heaven into the family of God. That's why he was there. Now, this this situation, this kind of reminds me of another passage from John, the 16th chapter, verses 15 through 20, uh, where Jesus and his disciples are uh, much later on in the ministry (coughs) conversing. Jesus is telling them something. And then look, what it turns into as far as the, the disciples that are there hearing his words. I think this is an interesting passage. And it starts with, All things, Jesus says, as many as the Father hath are mine. Because of this, I said, that of mine he will take and will tell to you. A little while, and you did not behold me. And again, a little while, and you shall see me, because I go away unto the Father. Therefore, said some of his disciples, one to the other, What is this that he saith to us? A little while, and you do not behold me, and again a little while, and you shall see me, 
And because I go away unto the Father, then said, then said they, What is this he saith? The little while we have known what he saith. We have not known what he saith. Now Jesus is standing there. He's hearing this, this conversation, if you can call it that, is banter, I guess. Jesus, therefore, knew that they were wishing to ask him. But you see, they hadn't asked him. Uh, in another place, not in this place, in another place, Jesus, when this similar situation happened, Jesus said, are you asking each other? Why not ask me? You know. Uh, so there we find the humanity and the humanness of the men um, and their relationship with the Lord, very respectful. Jesus therefore knew that they were wishing to ask him and said to them concerning this, Do you seek one with another? Because I said a little while, and you do not behold me, and a little while you shall see me. Verily, verily, I say to you that you shall weep and lament, and the world will rejoice, and you shall be sorrowful. But your sorrow, joy, will become. So he doesn't explain everything to them, but he certainly puts it in a perfect uh, outline form, if you will. Uh, <laughs> uh, these things show us the humanity of this ministry. Uh, being, this ministry being the most miraculous of all ministries, the most important of all ministries, and yet we have the humanness and we have the patience of Jesus with these men. And um, uh, I just think it's, it's incredible. Of course he understood, but the, the question always got me, why not just ask him to explain, you know? What do you mean? You know, it, because of the fact that he was going away, he kept dropping these hints. And, you know, they didn't, that wasn't something they liked to hear. But the disciples knew this about Jesus. They knew that they could keep nothing from him, really. They knew that he knew them. And this points to me the piety of these men and the intent of their hearts. Yes, one was found to have uh, a malicious way about him, Judas. Um, for whatever reason, he betrayed, betrayed the Christ. It was going to happen anyway, but still, think of the piety of these other men. Matter of fact, they were so pious, they could hardly see impious, uh, impiety in others. Um, and I think that's very interesting about them. So I wanted to clear that up before we start chapter 3, because chapter 3 is a, is a remarkable um, lesson from Jesus himself concerning the true nature of not only his, his work, but the kingdom of God the true nature of things that were now, had now come upon men. It was at hand, if you will, as they were preaching the nearness of the kingdom. That's what they were preaching in those days. 
the nearness of the kingdom. You know, that reminds me of the Lord's Prayer. Every time I hear it recited, and I never realized it before, but you know, right in the first part of it, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We, we shouldn't be saying that today. No. That, that prayer was meaningful to those that were praying it then, that heard it then. But the kingdom has come, friends. And, and it's the kingdom message in the New Testament. You know, to recite Amen. that prayer is to, wow. is to act like we have no understanding of the work of God. Uh, I know it's, it's a wonderful reading, and it has a lot of other things uh, yeah. within it, yeah. <coughs> but that are things that would continue. But remember who the prayer was for. Didn't they say, the Jewish men say to Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray? That should be a key right there. All right. Let's look at the third chapter. Um, and it starts right off. Uh, we're going to be spending some time in this chapter. But it starts right off with a visit from the Pharisee that's in your outline that we've provided, Nicodemus. The first two verses I'd like to deal with uh, because we can't move too fast through this. It's just got too much in it. Um, that once it's yours, once it's there, once you understand the kingdom as it has been presented to Nicodemus, and he didn't understand it all then. He couldn't, as you'll see from the conclusions and the sayings of Jesus. So let's read the first two verses. And there was a man of the Pharisees, Nicodemus his name, a ruler of the Jews. This one came unto him by night and said to him, Rabbi, we have known that from God thou hast come, a teacher, for no one else, for no one these signs is able to do that thou doest, if God may not be with him. Okay. I want to pause there. You know, most commentaries, if you read them, the big question about in the commentaries, why did he come at night? Well, believe me, friends, that is the least of the considerations of these verses. Uh, who knows? I mean, he might have been busy all day in the Sanhedrin and probably was, but that's really not important. It's just information. Maybe he didn't want to be seen. I don't know. Uh, I, I can't say for sure. And does that, somehow does that uh, uh, defame his character if he was being careful? I'll, I'll just leave that with you. Now, he was a Pharisee. The Pharisees were rulers of the Jews. The Pharisees had come into existence through the synagogue system that was developed with the Jews while they were in captivity in Babylon. That's where it all started. Pharisees were simply men that were learned of the things of God. 
Now, the priest should have been, but, you know, the priest kept letting the folks down as far on that part of the, their, their responsibility. Uh, they were more about gathering this and gathering that. But the Pharisees came to be the learned men of the law, especially the law of Moses and all that was covenant, covenantal of the Jewish people. They were learned of it. So they knew the scriptures. And, and from that, of course, they became the leaders and the rulers, if you will, of, of men. You know, if you look at society in general, it's the learned men that always seem to take up the mantle of being ruler. If you've looked around, I think you'll find that's pretty much the case. The men of letters, if you will. But what did he say to Jesus? This is what I just think is incredible. He starts with the idea of rabbi. Well, Jesus was not a rabbi under the normal sense of the Jewish system of learned men. It's a very heartfelt compliment or yeah. a show of respect. It was. It was, a, it was the best probably he could do at that time. <coughs> Rabbi simply means a teacher of the things of God. Rabbi, we have known. Who's the we? We have known. You see, that's a plural. In other words, he came by himself. But what he's saying to Jesus is, the Pharisees know something about you. Now, what is it they know? We have known that from God thou hast come. Oh, wow. You see, now, this is a step, a big step in the right direction. Big step. A teacher, so he clarifies the position of Jesus. He's teaching the Pharisees, isn't he? The words of Jesus the signs of Jesus, the miracles, if you will, the ways of Jesus have been teaching the Pharisees in Jerusalem. That's quite a, quite a thing to say. And he goes on to clarify, For no one these signs is able to do that thou doest if God may not be with him. Well, um, the Pharisees have known, that is the plural. And then we, we got the idea of uh, from God. Uh, by the way, the, the idea of have known, uh, we have known. That's the, uh, the Greek word, uh, uh, odi, which means to perceive, perceive with their outward senses. In other words, it's something they have learned from their senses, their eyes, their ears, uh, even their learned, even their training has brought them to a con conclusion that Jesus has come from God. These things are from God. From God you have come because the miracles did uh, and what the miracles that Jesus wrought could only be done if God be with him. By the way, that um, 
You know, you've heard lots of folks speaking of Jesus being God uh, since his birth, all the way through his ministry, and even on the cross, you know, up to a point, they say. But, you know, this this uh, preposition kind of puts puts a, a bit of a, a, a problematic situation on the Trinitarian gospel, uh, Trinitarian uh, teaching here because it is uh, with him. Why didn't they just say um, no one is able to do these things unless they were God? Why didn't they just go ahead and say it? It's because they didn't believe that. They knew the Father in heaven. They knew they had sent. He had sent Jesus. Why can't we get that straight in religion today? This is the problem in Christendom. We, we've confused the issue so bad that we can't enjoy the understanding of what actually happened amongst the Jews. As had been promised to them, wasn't promised to me, but it was promised to them. The Messiah came amongst them. He was with him. With. Not in. It, w- it wasn't God himself. Yes? Jesus said the Father and I are one. Well, they're one in purpose. But it, he's still the Father and Jesus is still the Son. This is proof of the humanity of Jesus, if you want to just simplify it the way I'm trying to do. This is humanity of, of Jesus. And without that, we're absolutely right. sunk. Yeah. Absolutely well, sunk. Because all, all we have to tell God is, you have no idea what it's like being a man. Mm-hmm. And you see that most successful argument has been removed from the equation because Jesus lived a sinless life as a man with all the uh, foibles that come uh, as living a life as a man um, a, a, was there. A Jew in this, in this time, especially a Pharisee, would understand his position as, as the, the one sent, the apostle of God, and his position as a high priest and what a high priest does in a Jewish society. That was, they right. would understand perfectly well mm-hmm. that that was a man speaking on behalf yeah. of God. I think we see, and we should have a lot of respect for the Pharisees, as far as the fact that they also recognized Jesus of Nazareth for what he truly was. One sent from God. Now, they didn't know all the particulars, but they certainly understood this. They certainly understood it, and that's to their credit. And I think... I mean, I have no idea how many Pharisees actually became Christians or, or, or uh, accepted Jesus as their Messiah. I don't know. Uh, but there were a number of them, that's for sure, and the priests and the leaders of, of the Jews. Not all of them, of course. So I just think this, this, these uh, verses are so full of such wonderful uh, information that is this is true this is truly the gospel of Christ this is truly the story the gospel account of Jesus of Nazareth 
and all of these things within the Gospels. All of the truths there, friends, but we have to look at it and not just take it and look at it in a cursory way uh, to see how many verses we can get done in the next five minutes. That won't work in this case because you're going to miss over these things. And we shouldn't do that. But I would just say here, you know, we've talked a lot about miracles. What are miracles for? Do we need them today? And are they today? And, but what we see here, we see here the true nature of the miraculous deeds, works, if you will, signs, as the translator has given here, that the Jews saw, to convince them of what? That, that indeed, this one, Jesus of Nazareth, was, was a messenger from God. They should immediately remember Isaiah 9-6. Because that's who they were talking to. That's who they were hearing. The messenger of God. Counsel. Prince of the age to come. As it says in Isaiah. Jesus is the prince of the age to come. All this was happening in their generation. So I think mission accomplished. As far as the miracles go here, you know, I don't need a miracle today to prove it to me again because I believe that one. I believe the ones in the Bible. And they're just as powerful to me as they, would, as they were to them. Because I know how hard it is to have something miraculous happen. I've looked at some things before and said, I wish I could perform a miracle on this and make it what it should be. But I haven't, I haven't been able to do it. So, um, I think that's good. We're going to move on. Um, hopefully, that's a good start for this. But it's only a start. <coughs> Jesus is now going to be teaching concerning the kingdom of God. So, you know what? You see what's happened here. You see how Jesus is talking to Nicodemus? This is probably the best way to begin with anyone today that says they're a Christian, but you know they have not obeyed the gospel. You know that they have their group has way off the beam one way or another this is a great place to start because this is the truth of the whole matter that follows and Jesus is going to lay it out here by the way for the very first time to Nicodemus to the Pharisees God is honoring the Pharisees with the truth of the kingdom almost before anyone else has heard it So let's look at verse 3 through 9. I'm just going to read them and then we'll, we'll get into the verses. Uh, and this is, I won't even probably get through this today, but <clears throat> here's what it says. So Jesus answered after what Nicodemus had said and we've discussed and said to him, Verily, verily, by the way, that's in the Greek, that's amen, amen. It means this is the absolute truth. You want to talk about absolute truth? This is how the only way the Jews ex expressed it was here. And when Jesus says, Amen, Amen, you know it's true. 
And Jesus answered and said to him, Verily, verily, I say to thee, If anyone may not be born from above, he is not able to see the reign of God or the kingdom. Nicodemus saith unto him, How is a man able to be born being old? Is he able into the womb of his mother a second time to enter and to be born? Now that's a question. Verse 5, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, If anyone may not be born out of water, and um, let me look at my text here, and spirit, the uh, article is not there. To be, let me start that again. If anyone may not be born out of water and spirit, he is not able to enter into the reign of God. That which hath been born of flesh, that's born out of flesh, is flesh. And that which hath been born out of the spirit, by the way, the definite article is there, that's these born out of the spirit of God yes. is spirit. You see the difference between verse 5 and 6? Better. You know, friends, there's more than just the spirit of God in the world he created. And when we, we need to be able to uh, delineate when, when and what spirit we're, we're looking at, reading about, and thinking about. But the scripture has it. The original language has it. Let's move on. Verse 7. Thou mayest not wonder that I saith to thee, it behooveth you to be born from above. The spirit where he willeth. Um, I'm not going to read, read this verse because verse 8 in the... Um, in, uh, his, well, I could read it and to show you. We're going to find here that when you have the concept of the Trinitarian concept of the Holy Spirit, you're going to actually overrule the Greek with your putting a pronoun in, uh, the masculine pronoun for the word that is it. Okay? Well... Um, I'll read it the way it's written in uh, Young's. The spirit where he willeth doth blow, and his voice thou doest doesn't hear, but thou hast not known whence he cometh, and whither he goeth. Thus it is every one who hath been born of the spirit. Now the spirit there at the end, I think we look at our Greek is correct. Um, in verse 8. Yeah. yeah. Okay. There's a lot of tire tracks on this one. Yeah, out of the spirit is how it ends. Now, um, then uh, let me read verse 9 to, to cap it off. Nicodemus answered uh, and said to him, after all Jesus had said, how are these things able to happen? 
you know, I'm sure that's just how he felt. Uh, and, and it's gonna, it, it kind of proves what Jesus said uh, in his statements from above. And, and I'll go over that in just a minute. So let's look at these verses. Verse 3, born, um, where, where we have, um, uh, I say unto thee, except a man uh, be born, um, which, what does that mean? Well, that word simply means to beget, um, to be born. And, and it can be born of God or it can be born of, of man or, or, or born of uh, any creature, okay, as far as the word born goes here. It's the next word that is interesting. Most of our Bibles are going to say what there? Again. Born again. Well, um, if you look that, if you look in the Greek, you'll find that word that we translate again is an adverb which designates a place or time. Thus, and here's the point, thus to make it, to make this passage work with all the other passages that we have in the scripture, that we'll look at here in just a second, the phrase from above. Young's got it right. Young, Young nailed this. It's born from above. Now, what's Jesus talking about? Is he talking about being born of woman? No. There, this, this born is from above. He made it very clear here. But you see, Nicodemus didn't grasp this. Uh, that moment, okay? Because he was still thinking about the idea of uh, not being able to be in the kingdom of God. You don't think that'd be a shocker to, for a Pharisee to hear? Because they thought they the ticket was had been purchased and was was very surely tucked away in their uh, pocket somewhere. They were on their way. They were Pharisees. They were godly men, and, and all that was true, but what they didn't understand is now the kingdom of God is at hand. Things are going to change. The promise of the prophets of old is upon them. And to think that they would not be able to be part of that kingdom was shocking. If anyone may not be may not be uh, born from above, which is proper, he is not able to see the reign of God. Now, let, let me this born anew or born again or born from above, and I've seen it all, all translated every way. Um, but let's look at Romans six four. Romans six four to start with. The Apostle Paul talking about becoming a Christian, the things that we have done to become Christians. We were buried together, that is, baptized. Then, with him, through the baptism, to the death, that even as Christ was raised up out of the dead, through the glory of the Father, so also we, 
in newness of life may walk. You see, the newness issue is the, is the anew, born anew, from above. Can any man cause us to be born anew? No. We are born once in the flesh and we die once in the flesh. That's, that's the, the, the process of life for men. But we have something else here because we have of the Father involved in this. Okay? Of the Father. And let's look at of the Father. John 1.13, we read it earlier. This is the, the idea of uh, the Messiah and the message of the Messiah and the, the real condition of the, of the Jews of that day. Who, not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God were begotten. This is what Jesus is talking about to, to Nicodemus here. To be begotten of God from above. You see the, the, uh, the direction, the, the language tells us where this comes from. This is an idea from God. Out of God. We're born out of God uh, in the process that's been given. So, unless one is born from above, he is not able to see the reign of God. Now, that word see there, I think, is pivotal. Um, and there's two different Greek translations, Greek words for that, although there doesn't seem to be any uh, idea, but it, it's a, here it's a primary verb. Um, uh, the idea is um, to know, to know. Uh, the, all, the other one is this. Uh, th this word, uh, it's either uh, edu or the word that we have here in, in ours. Well, it's, it's edu, um, which also is, is, is uh, given for to know. Uh, it's used there too. And it simply means perceive with the mind, to understand. You see the condition here? This is the condition where it says um, in verse 3, he is not able to see to see the reign of God. What, you know, we look at the word see and we think, well, it's something we see with our eyes. But this, there's a whole lot more to it than this. It's to perceive with the mind, to understand what it is that, it means to be part of the reign of God, the kingdom of God. He is not able. Unless one is born from above, he is not able. You see, this is a separation between the saved and the unsaved. I think we can look at it uh, in a, it, 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 it's a, it's a harsh thought in a lot of ways. But really, this is the reality of the unimmersed, those not baptized into Christ. They cannot understand the gospel without faith. You see, it takes a faith. It takes a desire 
like like the Hebrews 11:6. It's impossible to please God without faith. You and then it goes on to say that you must seek Him. You must must diligently seek Him to know Him and to to know in your heart and in your mind that He exists. That's how you begin the understanding of the gospel. When you, but you have that first. That's not a bad thing. You know, Neil, the whole con- concept of the economy depends on faith. And, and people, people don't have any problem believing that. They just accept that because that affects them directly and it affects their pocketbook, which is, of course, the most important thing to everyone. Yeah. How much faith do people have when they get behind the wheel of a car? Turn the radio, turn the radio up, and and you know, kind of zone out a little bit. So when it comes to this, aren't they? Are they're using all the tools that we have here from the from the gospel message and to know seek God. That's what what we do. Um, that's how we do everything we do. That that's a good point, and uh, that's why <laughs> what God has given us here. The gospel is a logical way to go. Absolutely. It's logical. It's, it's not logical. mystical. It's not a secret. Amen. It's logical. Very well. So the reality is that unless we're, we have faith and we have a, a desire and we are seeking to know God and his ways, we cannot understand the gospel message. The hearing. We need to have the hearing of the word. That's what the Bible says. How will they know unless they hear? They're not going to know unless they hear. It's our job to make sure people hear the word of the gospel. They must hear the gospel. They must repent of their former ways, their former disbelief. They must confess with their mouth, as the scripture says, that Jesus is the Christ the Son of the living God. And they must be immersed into Christ to what? To, as Jesus said to Nicodemus, uh, to be able to see the reign of God. It really isn't that complicated. Why have we made it so? Uh, We're surrounded by volumes and libraries full of ways to please God outside of this. Well, if you're cutting the clergy out, that might be part of it. Well, that's why the clergy should be called evangelists, like the Bible calls the, the clergy. Now, we call them clergy because they're supposed to be preachers, but they're, um, they consider themselves the senior pastor, which is a problem. All right. We, let's just do a little bit more here in verse 5. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, If anyone may not be born out of water and spirit, he is not able to enter into the reign of God. Do you think Jesus is making this a prominent theme here? This was what Nicodemus needed to hear. This is what everyone needs to hear right now, all the time. 
This is it from the Lord himself. This is it. Water, born of. Well, I'm not, what's that mean? Um, I guess it could mean baptism in in, in the gospel sense. But uh, also we are born of water. Um, That's the natural way of things. And spirit. But our spirit is born anew. And here's the point. It's, it's the spirit of the one being born anew, not the Holy Spirit. Why is it capitalized in all of our Bibles? Our, yeah, there's no article. It's not the spirit. It's just spirit. Born of spirit, out of spirit. In verse 5. He is not able to enter into the reign of God. This is shocking news for the Pharisee. Because, well, of course, under the Old Covenant, he wasn't dealing with this this particular issue here. But he was certainly in the right place to find out what to do, wasn't he? Well, where I'm going to let off here. Um, you know, there's nowhere to really stop the... Uh, conversation on these things. You know, Neil, for years and years, Tanya Traxler used to say that people don't want to be accountable when we would read through these sections and this very section. And she would say that over and over, and I think she's right. I think people don't like having to be accountable for themselves and of themselves They'd rather follow the group in or whatever, and I'm not. Sh- and I know that plays a big part of it. And the only way out of it, I think, is that you have to be an individual. I think Jesus is making this very personal for each person. Uh, there isn't any. Uh, this isn't a unity message here. This is something for each each person. Very personal for everyone hearing these words. I think with the phrase, if anyone, anyone, may not, this is everyone, friends. This is all of us. This is for for them, it's for us. Nothing's changed. Uh, This perfect pattern of reconciliation back to God was for the Jews first and then the Gentiles. It's still active today as much as it ever was then. We still have people. We have more people. Let's consider that. That's why this is so important, this message today. It's timely, to say the least. We, we pray you have a wonderful week ahead of you. We will, conti- we will continue this thought as we do, and we pray that you have a blessed week as you serve the God of heaven and his Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.